Hey, welcome to More Than Bread, episode number 237 to be exact. My name is Dan, and More Than Bread is a podcast that has the audacity to say there's probably nothing more important that I will do today, maybe even nothing more important than you will do today, than to spend time listening to the words of God. Now, now make no mistake, my words of explanation and inspiration and guidance are worth far less and only worth anything in as much as they're given in service of God's words. The, the Holy Spirit can use my words, my stories, and illustrations, but the Spirit of God loves to use the very words of God to breathe life into the people of God. It reminds me of a Jesus story in John chapter 6. Jesus has the number one ministry going on in Israel. Soon, Luke 9 tells us he will set his face toward a cross in Jerusalem. But at this moment, Jesus is the guy. Miracles, he's fed thousands with baskets of bread that never empty. He's healed the sick, even raised the dead. The Gospels use words like amazing, majesty, multitudes. And it was not only the miracles of Jesus that brought the crowds, it was his message, his heart, his hope, his, his compassion. I mean, everybody wants to join the crowd, jump in on the Jesus bandwagon. He's the pastor of the first church of everything happening now, and he's got a crowd. And so he does what Jesus often did when he had a crowd. He pulled out one of his scare away and thin out the crowd sermons. He said to the crowd of potential followers, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will not find life. <laughs> and many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him, it says. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words. Here's the podcast. (laughs) You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You know, the last few episodes, really, we've been doing a a mini-series on Christ. If If it had one the, the title of this mini-series would be Nothing More, Nothing Less, and Nothing Else. And along the way, I, I've offered us questions to ponder related to Jesus, like John the Baptist's question, are you the one? Or, or the question that Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? In this episode, we could start with two questions, first one from Jesus to the disciples, and the question is, do you also want to leave me? The second question is from Peter to Jesus, Lord, where would we go? Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. You have words of life. Your words are life-giving and you're the Holy One of God, which leads to the simple question, where am I going for life? An author by the name of Gerald May once wrote, there's a desire within each of us in the deep center of ourselves that we call our heart. We were born with it. It's never completely satisfied and it never dies. Our true identity, our reason for being is to be found in this desire. It's our desire for life. And and sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we ignore it. Sometimes we let it creep into the corner of our souls where it sits quietly loud Sometimes we grow weary and wonder if it's time to abandon the journey, but that nagging desire, St. Augustine called it a holy longing, it never quite goes away. See, here's what I think. I think that every heart longing we have or think we have, every ache that arises when you see something or someone that you desire, when you dream of more success or wake up hoping that you're somehow more attractive, when you drive by a bigger house and say, I wish, when we say what we say or do what we do and then look around hoping somebody noticed and perhaps we'll even applaud, what our soul is really longing for is Jesus. 
You, you may not know this about me. You may, but I'll spend hundreds of hours. Sometimes it seems like thousands of hours planning our old family vacations. I love to plan vacations. I want it to be just right. Whether it's the whole crew or just Lynn and I, man, I want to go to the very best place and have the very best experience that we can afford. And since we can't afford the very best place, I'm seeking and looking and planning and figuring and scamming and wondering and, and rechecking. But I remember a moment a long time ago where I sensed Jesus saying, Dan, vacations are good, but you know what? You know that what you really long for is me, right? You know that what your heart desires as you plan the perfect vacation will not be satisfied by the perfect vacation. Because ultimately, there is nothing more than Christ. For he is nothing less than God, nothing less than all, nothing less than preeminent, the fullness of God, and of course, nothing else will satisfy our heart's desire for life like Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. So with that in mind, let me read Colossians chapter 2. Yes, we are going on to chapter 2. We've gotten out of chapter (laughs) 1. I'm going to read Colossians 2 verses 1 through 8. I'm reading from the New International Version. Paul says, "I I want you all to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea. And remember, Paul started both of these churches, Laodicea and Colossae, at kind of the same times. In fact, at the same time, in fact, it was somebody from Colossae who came to Laodicea and basically got saved and went back and started a church. So Paul says, both of you, both communities, I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and even for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments, for though I'm absent from you in the body, I am present with you in spirit, and I delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you. Paul says, how hard I'm contending for you and those at Laodicea, and even for those who have not met me personally, I'm contending for you. Now, now even here in these first verses, Paul can't quit talking about Jesus. But for now, I just, I want to hone in on that word, that idea, that challenge to be contenders. Stephen Mansfield tells a story about a church that had an incredible ministry to men. And for years, the driving force behind the men's ministry was a guy named Taylor. For years, his ministry changed guys' lives and impacted the community. But in the midst of a major transition in the church, Taylor got deeply offended and he left the church. He wouldn't talk to anyone and people figured he'd come back eventually, but he didn't. Finally, some guys decided to go after Taylor. They got together and came up with a plan, and they set up camp in Taylor's yard. 150 guys set up camp in Taylor's yard, a a little Taylorville. (laughs) They set up rotating shifts, had electric lines running from neighboring houses to power TVs. About 20 smokers and grills worked up some great barbecue food and big signs all over the place that said, Taylor, come out. We love you. They weren't going to leave until Taylor came back. 
Taylor was not amused. <laughs> he even called the police on his former friends. As a matter of fact, the police showed up twice a day for almost a week. And every time they came, Taylor would come to the door to explain the situation. And every time Taylor came to the door to talk to the police, the guys camping in his yard would explode with cheers until Taylor went back inside. On the sixth day, when Taylor opened the door for the police and the men exploded with cheers, Taylor finally broke down and started crying his eyes out. He sputtered how sorry he was, and then he came out from his porch and he greeted the guys who had camped in his yard and refused to go away. Do you understand? They were contenders. They were contending for Taylor. Have you ever needed a team of contenders to come through for you like that? Have you ever had a contender come through for you like that? I mean, Paul's words in Colossians 2, 1 through 3, just they, they won't quit echoing in my mind, in my heart. I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that you may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that you may have a full, the full riches of complete understanding in order that you may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, that you may know Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, don't forget, Paul writes these words while he's in prison, (laughs) but he's contending in prison. He's contending for them. There's a a great deal that could keep him from contending for others, like a strong focus on his own bad situation or bouts of doubt where he finds himself wondering if God or anyone else still cares. But even still, even still, he's contending for them, still contending for them. The Greek word used for contend is agon. It was often used to describe athletes exerting every ounce of energy that, that, that she has in the struggle of the contest. The idea is that Paul labored, he agonized, he struggled, he wrestled for them, he contended, contending. Paul doesn't even know most of them. His main connection with the church at Colossus was Epaphras. Epaphras was converted and mentored by Paul in, in Ephesus, and then he went to share the gospel in Colossus. Paul knows Epaphras, but But there's an awful lot of Christians in Colossus and Laodicea that Paul's never even met, but still he's contending for them. He's praying for them. He's battling on their behalf. He's encouraging Epaphras. He's exhorting them with truth. He's reminding them of the glory of the gospel and the majesty of Jesus. He's contending for them. My goal, Paul says, the reason I contend for them is that they might be encouraged in heart and united in love. In other words, he is contending for their hearts. I am contending for your heart. The word encourages the Greek word perikalio, periclete. We we hear that action form of the noun periclete. In the Gospel of John, Jesus called the Holy Spirit the periclete. It, it means comforter or encourager. In fact, often in the Bible, we find the imagery of the breath of God bringing courage to the hearts of people. But periclete was also an ancient Greek warrior's term. When Greek soldiers went into battle, they went in pairs, and then when the enemy attacked, they could draw together back to back, shoulder to shoulder. Your battle partner was called your paraclete, contending for you. In essence, Paul said, I want to be a battle partner for your heart. For whom are you going to battle for their heart right now? 
Paul was contending so that they would be encouraged in heart and united in love. In other words, Paul was also contending for community. He was contending for relationships in the church. He was contending for forgiveness and grace and courageous compassion. (laughs) Can can we be honest for a moment? I'm, I'm talking to friends. I'm talking to people who are part of a church, right? Can we be honest, church? (laughs) It's not always being in community. It's not always easy being in community with you. I mean, with us, right? I mean, living in community would be great if it wasn't for the people. I I was a freshman in college when I first started dating my wife, Lynn. We started dating the last month or so of school. And so summer came and suddenly she's like 1,200 miles away in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, 1,200 miles from Bethel in in St. Paul, Minnesota. So, of course, that summer I decided I needed to drive out and see her. Two-hour phone conversations. You had to pay by the minute. No cell phones back then. But that just wasn't quite enough. So I took my first visit to Pennsylvania, which also ended up being my very first visit to the Vanity Fair outlet malls in Reading. Never forget this. It's like the birthplace of cheap jeans. It was also the first time I was introduced to jeans that were even cheaper than cheap. (laughs) I remember the very first time I found the as-is room. You know what I'm talking about, right? The as-is room, or it was sometimes referred to as a slightly irregular room, which for those of you over 40 has absolutely nothing to do with bathrooms. The as-is room was the place where slightly irregular jeans went to be sold. This was the place to find cheap college-priced jeans. As long as you understood that the jeans in this room were less than perfect, they were damaged goods, they were not normal, they came as is. The store is issuing you a general warning that nothing in this room is guaranteed to be flaw-free. There might be a stain that won't come out or a zipper that won't zip or a button that won't click or stitches that zigged when they should have zagged. They, they never told you where or what the flaw was. You had to look if you cared to look. They're just letting you know that sooner or later, if you look, you will find <laughs> This garment is not flaw-free. It's as-is, no returns, no refunds. Now, I want, you to, I want you to think about all the people in your life. <laughs> Look around you, behind you, to the side, in front of you. Now, your, your spouse, your kids, just look around. <laughs> and please hear me say this with the utmost of grace and kindness. If this was the outlet mall in Reading, when you walked in, you would have seen a great big sign across the door labeling this the as-is room of life. Every person who comes to Church of Calvary, every person who comes to your workplace, what whatever Christian organization you're a part of, whatever team, whatever volunteer, whatever family, there's not a single person in the room who comes flaw-free. If you look for it, you will find it. You'll find a person who can't wait to cut down her friends because it makes her forget for a moment all the stuff she hates about herself. You'll find the guy who has an out-of-control temper. You'll find a sarcastic tongue that makes some people laugh while it makes other people feel bad. You'll find people who have given up on their marriage vows. You'll find streaks of deception and hearts lacking integrity. You'll find laziness and grumpiness and obsessive compulsiveness, the stains of sin's past, broken hopes and dreams. I can't tell you what it is or or where you'll find it. I just want to make sure you know that it's there. Yeah, Of course, some of us hide it better than others. We wear our flaws on the inside behind the closed doors of a bricked-up heart. Some of us pretend that we're normal. But Jesus set the standard of normal in God's kingdom. And right now, the rest of us, as is, is all we got. 
And in our heart of hearts, most of us know that, don't we? As much as we try to hide it, we're painfully aware of our as-is irregularity. Some of us can't believe that you don't see our flaws because some days it's all I can see. It's all we can see in ourselves. But here's the cool part. When we contend for each other, when we go to battle for each other, when I battle for your heart and you battle for my heart, when we battle in unity for our neighbors and our city, here's what happened. Paul says, I'm contending for you so that you will be encouraged in your heart and united in love so that you may have the full riches of complete understanding so that you may know Christ in whom is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. See, Paul is contending for Christ to be known. Don't miss this. There's a progression here, a strategy to Paul's contending. He's contending for their heart and their unity so that they'll have full understanding, so that they will truly know Christ. If our hearts are not encouraged and there is no unity in our community, we will not grow in our understanding and we will not know Christ. We will never gain the treasure of Christ. You cannot do it alone. It starts with our hearts and then moves to our minds. And when both heart and mind are in sync, we're on our way to full understanding. We're on our way to the treasures of knowing Christ, but you cannot do it on your own. That's why we lean in for others. That's why we're called to be contenders. For whom are you contending? Who is contending for you? For whom has God called you to contend? There's somebody that God has laid on your heart. It might be an enemy. It might be a friend. It might be a family member, co-worker, classmate. But somebody that God wants you, God wants you to contend for them. For whom are you contending? Father God, I pray for each and every one of us. God, you know how much we need contenders in our lives. God, I I pray that you would raise up a generation of contenders, not people who will fight for politics, not people who will fight for power to get their own way, but people who will contend for each other's hearts, people who will contend that we would know Jesus with a, a full understanding, that we would gain the treasure of Christ. Oh, God, would you raise up a generation of contenders? God, even now, as as people are listening to me pray, God, would you put on on our hearts and our minds the person, the people that you want us to contend for? It might even be people that we don't know, like like Paul, he people he hadn't even met personally, but but people that God you you put it on his heart that he would contend for them. God, may we be a people of contenders. God, right now I contend on behalf of every person listening. Would you open up their hearts? Would you open up their minds? Would you bring to their mind the treasury of the wisdom that comes from Christ in Christ? Would you help us to know you, Jesus, with all our hearts and with all our souls? May we be contenders. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.